Woodley a little bit and say, like, oh, Burns beat him. Woodley's done. I don't think Woodley's done. Just he, he had an off night. Burns is hot right now. Burns was on the up and up. He's on, he's on a team who had a game plan. I mean, the exact same game plan. Well, not the exact same, but a very similar game plan um, with the first guy oh, on that team beating Mizzou, you know? Yeah, 100%. And even um, you look at it like uh, the relevance, you know what I mean? Or like the activity. Gilbert's every couple months. He just faced Craig Jones, actually, in a grappling match. Mm-hmm. What's going on, Craig Jones? What's up, guys? Sorry, I didn't have any audio before. Hey. What's well, up, Craig? How are you, brother? What's going on, Eves? Not much, man. Still got to get with you and, and get, get choked up a bit. Yeah, we need to do some training, man. We talked about it at uh, Quintet, right? Yeah. I, um, where are you now? Because you're, you're, you're a man that's always on the move. What part of the world are you in right now? Oh, man, I've slowed down. I'm in the States sort of uh, full-time now since Quintet. So uh, I'm in uh, New York City training with the, the Henzo guys right now. Okay. that's I'm, I'm on the East Coast, but um, kind of on this lockdown thing. So I don't know. I don't. Uh, New York is like the epicenter. So are you guys training? Oh, yeah, for while sure. you're there? Yeah, yeah, we're still training. Just training in a small group, though, like to keep things keep things safe for now. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. New York's crazy right now with everything. Protests, coronavirus, everything it's got. Just the fact that it's Yeah, man. They tried to they tried to break Henzo's windows uh is, two nights ago. Is, right? They tried to throw a barricade that, in there. Is that what that was? I saw people post uh, yeah. I saw people posting the pictures of the windows boarded up. I wasn't sure what that was. Yeah, so uh, Henzo and the uh, the rest of the Gracie brothers and stuff, they hung late two nights ago and they said they heard some commotion out front and they caught just a couple of kids trying to throw the police barricade through. So they uh, chased them off. They hung in there for a bit and then got the board, got the windows barricaded up the next day. Oh, like I, people are looting everything, but yeah, that's, I mean, it's one of those situations where it's not cool, man. The looting, I understand poor, I don't, I don't agree or condone, you know, poor people looting or even greedy people looting but i understand the anger like i'm angry as fuck too so like i'm let you know right off, off jump like i'm angry but um breaking down like breaking into a um you know you from from the outside you know henzo's place is martial arts gym yeah you're not you're not there's no reason to 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 even vandalize that place if with anger that's the kind of place that these cops need to go so they learn how to handle these situations physically. That's the place where people need to go so they learn how to handle themselves and, and gain the confidence to be able to handle themselves in, in those situations. Yeah. That's a thing, too. Like, uh, yeah, one thing, Craig, can you turn your phone the long ways? Yes. Let me. So we get that whole Craig Jones view. There we go. I think. That's and, better. Yep. Something that we talk about all the time on Menace and the Man I think all cops need to be at least blue belt level in jiu-jitsu. Like, it would help them with what they have to do on the job, on the regular. And they would learn that, like, temperament, if you will, that, oh, I'm not going to, I don't need to hurt this person. Like, I can just subdue them by holding them. You know what I mean? If it comes to that. I want some blue belt to try to subdue me. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, you you know what I mean? Like, uh, the average person. Yeah. yeah, no, no, that's legit, man. I um, I I feel like whatever the entrance exam or the, the questionnaire going into the police academy is, 
I think one of the first questions on there should be, have you ever been in a fight? And um, have you ever lost a fight? That's another question. And how had, how did you handle that situation? You know, what did you do about it? Yeah. Those are things that I, I, I think, I feel like guys who've, I can't trust a guy who's never been in a fight. Greg, Greg, how, how, how can you, um, how can you trust someone who's never been punched in the face? You know, who's never faced adversity, who's never lost something that means something to them. You know what I mean? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like how people, uh, how people deal with that level of stress and stuff, you know, the fear going into an interaction. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know, man. It's, it's frustrating, but anyway, we're here to talk about good stuff and bring joy to the world. What's going on with you, Craig Jones? When, when are you, when we get to see you compete next? Uh, the next event, I think June 21st, but the, I actually just competed on Sunday uh, against uh, Wagner Hosha. Yeah. Submission, the, uh, submission underground, Chell putting on the shows. Hold on. Don't spoil it. Cause here, here's my thing, Craig. I, um, I know the submission world, but I'm not, I don't follow submissions like I follow fighting, right? Um, I know of you. I know of, of Gordon, um, Ryan, um, of course. Um, see, I, I, I draw these blanks when I'm talking about these people that I, I know because I don't follow jujitsu as, as hardcore as I follow mixed martial arts, but I want to start watching more because that, that quintet tournament, I want to compete more. I've been training a lot with Master Lloyd Irving since I'm on the East Coast. And um, I want to know from, from the man himself, what events should I go back and watch? And what, what events should I follow like consistently to watch like some real high-level fun, good grappling? That's not boring. Because I hate to watch guys butt scoot. And I hate to see guys just sit there and pull guard or, or hold guard and not really try to advance the score. And I'm not a big oh, fan of sure. watching the gi. The gi, yeah. I think, I mean, just ADCC, usually... You get some boring matches at ADCC, but if you want to go back historically, like uh, the rule set makes people wrestle. It it, it forces uh, wrestling. So the overtime round, you're not allowed to pull guard. So like if it's uh, if no one gets the finish, no one gets any points, they're gonna make you you guys wrestle. And they really actually like uh, to score points in ADCC, they make you pin someone's shoulders to the floor. So in typical jujitsu, you just need to knock their butt to the floor to score. So it actually ends up being quite a lot of wrestling skills take place in that one. Yeah, definitely submission underground too. Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, I'm I'm in submission underground butt scooting, but uh, submission <laughs> underground has uh, EBI overtime, right? So if two guys, it's only a five minute match. So if it doesn't go, if no one gets a submission in five minutes, then you basically have a shootout from uh, the back or armbar position to see who can submit the other one quicker. So you basically guaranteed submissions in submission underground. I do love that overtime rule. I've seen that in EBI, and um, I I really like that overtime rule. I like I like when you put a guy in a position and and also give the other guy a chance. It's like college football rule. Well, I don't know if you watch American college football. It's like the college football rule. Both guys get a chance. Um, both teams get a chance to score. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of butt scoot when Craig Jones goes, but it doesn't last long. It's not long for Craig to wrap that <laughs> <Yeah>. leg up. <laughs> Like he he wraps guys up, man. I um, I remember your your, your match at Quintet. It's just it's just really quick. I I'd, I'd heard your name and I heard about you a bunch. I'd seen you know clips, but I wasn't a follower of of jujitsu. I knew I knew who Craig Jones was. I'd seen some of the clips, seen you like start some guys, but um, until I met you, I was like, 
Greg Jones. Yeah, I know the name. But like when I met, I'm like, yeah, I like that guy. I like that. I want to trade with that guy. That guy just took me out. <laughs> yeah, we so got to do it, man. We got to do it. I'm so serious. I'm so down with that, man. Don't laugh at me when you get that. When, 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 you, when you take my back. If you take my back. <laughs> and even Eves, if you're looking to do some grappling, bring Chael's number. Chael's always looking to put MMA fighters in Submission Underground. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. I love me. Oh, for sure. For sure. Bro, like even Craig, how, I mean, I was surprised at Brett Primus this weekend. Yeah, he looks good, man. He looked good. He hung in there well with uh, Jake Shields. Got the finishing overtime. Who who finishes Jake Shields? Not Yeah, very, I think. Nobody. Very rarely. Yeah. Have you ever gone against Jake Shields? I competed against Jake Shields in 2018. And was able to to get the leg lock on him. But that, I mean, before that, I think the only person that had submitted him was Marcelo Garcia. And yeah. now, like, so when Jake Shields gets submitted, it's pretty pretty rare. Oh, so the who submitted Jake Shields? You should have been like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want I don't want to brag. Jake will beat me up. Yeah. Is Jake still is Jake still um in New York at Henzo's right now? No, actually, he moved back to the the West Coast. He moved back to uh, San Francisco. Okay. I knew he was out there training with Henzo um, the first season of the PFL, so 2018. And that's that's when you said you tapped him. Yeah, so I moved to the gym after we uh, we had the match. Okay. okay. See, that's different. It's usually when when someone gets submitted, the guy who gets submitted goes to the guy who submitted him. But you submit uh, yeah. a guy and then you go to his gym. Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. Flat. Actually, the first time after I submitted him and we trained at the gym, he actually beat me up. So I was like, uh, <laughs> maybe I got lucky. <laughs> oh, like yeah. he, he was going a little hard, remembering that day. Yeah, yeah. He came he came to some revenge. That's for sure. He got it, too. <laughs> yeah, I've, 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 I've both like that one. Well, you've trained with Jake as well, Eves? No, no. no I just mean that, situ- that scenario where you get you get beat by someone and then you train with them later and you go after them. Or yeah. you beat someone and you train with them later and they come after you. Yeah. And even Eves, like you don't you said you don't really pay attention to the submission grappling game. They're about to Chael's about to put on a tournament just to find someone for Craig Jones. Because Craig Jones is what cleaning everybody, you know, not not that there's a one weight class division, but he's going all over cleaning out guys bigger than him, guys his size, guys smaller. Yeah, I mean, when you're, what, so here's the thing, <clears throat> I know what it's like to be one of the best fighters in the world, like, striking and combining grappling, but what's it like to be, like, one of the most dominant grapplers in the world? You can walk into any tournament and everybody's expecting you to see you on the podium at the end of the day, but that means everybody has, like, if they're not, if, if, if you're a real fighter, if you're a real competitor, like, you got a target on your back. What's that oh, like? Oh, right? for sure, yeah. I, I mean, it's uh, it's fun that they're uh, they're motivated to take me take me out and stuff. But I mean, it does keep me training hard to like to protect. Uh, I guess the status I have in the sport. You know what I mean? Like it's a a long, painful road to to be uh, well respected in the sport. So it's like I just nothing's really changed. I probably train harder now to keep this position. You know, like uh, the uh, the tournament stuff, like all that stuff, really uh motivates me to keep training get better and stuff yeah i could see that you want to stay on top of the throne like even that's what i had in my head almost 
when Chael does this next submission underground, they should just get you a throne. And as the matches are going on, you just go like this. That, that guy, that guy's no competition. Oh, this guy. He's got a it'd shot. It'd be fun to commentate those matches. Oh, a hundred percent. Like who, who's he going to get? Have you had any possible inklings of your next opponent? Like what well, last time we had you on, we knew it was going to be Wagner Roca possibly. Anybody yeah, for the next think, one? Uh, the- there's this guy Kyle Bone who does. Uh, so we did that. We did that crazy tag team match, and Vinny and Kyle Bone were on the other team. So since then, we lost the tag team. So since then, I had a match against Vinny and beat him. So now Kyle Bone is the last guy from the tag team, and he's very, very good with his EBI overtime rules. So I'm pretty sure he's in the event. And based on who I've seen in it, I think Kyle Bone's probably probably the favorite to win. Kyle's like, I think he'd be like 240 pounds. Yeah, he's bigger. Rock climber, like he's insanely strong. I guess with those what? isometric holds from uh, rock climbing, so it makes him perfect for EBI overtime. Yeah, especially that grip strength, huh? What's the, imagine what that's going to be like. You um. Yeah, it'll be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I remember seeing just a couple of weeks ago after your your match with, with Vinny, um, that there was some controversy in the stop in the in the in the stoppage about the heel hook. I know, Vinny, I know Vinny's tough. I trained with Vinny a couple of times, and I feel like a child. Like, when I go with a guy like Vinny, I feel like a child. So for you guys to be competitive and then for you to get the W, like, again, even though I've seen you, we haven't trained together, that kind of like, it's like, yeah, man, it makes my mouth water. I want to train with this guy. But at the same time, <laughs> like, Vinny's, Vinny's, Vinny's rep, Vinny's been around for a long time, and like you haven't been around as long as someone like that, but your name has just skyrocketed and, and been solid ever since you, you came on the scene. Like, what's it like going up against these guys who, who, you know, you probably came up watching? Yeah, for sure. Like Vinny was a guy like obviously been watching for a very, very long time. A lot of respect for him and stuff. Uh, he has obviously started uh, doing a lot more MMA and stuff. So I knew that it's probably like in terms of Vinny's pure jiu-jitsu skill set, I knew it was going to be very, very high still. But probably not his peak and not necessarily nothing to do with his age, but what he used to be full time jujitsu when he moved into full time MMA. So like you would know, like splitting the training has to be very difficult. So I mean things like that gave me confidence going against someone who I consider like a, a legend in the sport and stuff. But and also what was scary is my best skill set is heel hooks. And Vinny had never been submitted with leg locks before because he was so flexible. So this one was particularly concerning because I was like I believe in the submission, but it's just never been done to him before. He's never tapped. Yeah, that that was a part of the controversy. I mean, Vinny was talking about like this is one of those things that my leg will be, my heel will be pointing the same direction as my knee, and I'm okay. But um, did you feel like he was in trouble? Like, was it was that like for you? Did you know that? Yeah, I have this, or was it still? Well, they may have stopped it early, but I got the W. Well, the, the, so the first submission I played, I put two heel hooks on him on the same leg. The first one made a huge cracking noise. Mm. And, but in the moment, I, I hit pops all the time. I knew it was a bad pop, but based on his poker face, I was like, oh, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought. And then the second time I applied the submission, there was absolutely no resistance to the heel hook. There was no tension. So I knew immediately something had broken. And when I was twisting his ankle, I could see his one of his bones poking through his skin. It looked like it was gonna gonna come out. So that one slipped out, and then 
me and I was like Vinny. I was like, I just wanted to, because like, I, I really liked it. He's a cool guy. I said, Vinny, because I didn't know if he knew. I was like, maybe he's just not feeling. I was like, Vinny, your ankle, your ankle is really bad. And then he would stop and he was looking at it. It was starting to swell up. And then the referee basically stopped it because Vinny said, how much time is left in regulation? Because Vinny was going to just survive regulation and skip the overtime. And when he started talking like that, the referee was like, basically like, come on, man, we called it. So then the doctor came in and the doctor had a look at his ankle and he slipped his ankle back into the right place, but there was still damage. And then Vinny went and got an x-ray that night and apparently it was a spiral fracture of his fibula. But it's all a bit of a mystery, right? Because he sent me that message that night. But then the next uh, day he told me there was nothing wrong with it. And I was like, were you... I was like, you had an x-ray, you said it was broken, and now you're saying it's not broken. So I really, I don't know if that's pride or maybe the first x-ray was wrong, but it definitely was, it was, I know what you mean. Like, he's very flexible, and I think that was to his detriment, right? So his knee and ankle were so flexible that the weakest link in the chain was his fibula. Yeah, I remember you said when you were on here last time, it was like a gunshot. Oh, man. His yeah, bone yeah, break. it was a gunshot. I think he's... So loud. Too tough for his own good type of situation. For sure. Yeah. I have a problem with 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 with, with heel hooks, man, Craig. Man, those things scare me. I have one heel hook victory in in all of my, and I have seventeen MMA submissions. And I have one heel hook victory, and um, the way you feel the bone, the bone in their 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 foot pop against the bone in your forearm, like I I don't like that. It makes my teeth, like I, like, but that's your thing. Like guys like you are the guys that scare the hell out of me, man. Like, like something's got to be wrong with you for you to be okay with that. <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's funny because most of the MMA fighters I speak to are terrified of leg locks, and mm-hmm. I'm like, you guys are out there knocking each other out. I'm like, that to me seems way scarier than a little bit of leg damage. <laughs> Get up and walk away from that. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. But I guess you know what? For me, it's like I applied the submission, and I expect them to tap. So it almost becomes their decision not to. So like the Vinny one, I was sort of like, I think he was so sure that he would be okay with the submission that the angle which I applied it broke it cleanly before he even had time to register the damage. So it'd be interesting to see in the future if someone applies a similar submission to the same leg, if he has the same confidence to not tap. Have you ever seen, you see those videos sometimes, or like what Anderson and Chris Weidman fought and his, his shin broke. Like, oh. that's something that makes you grimace? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For okay. sure. <laughs> See, that, that's what he looks like for me. But just the thought of them, like, I, I feel that grimace. Like, I feel the pain of of, of my ankle popping and my knee ripping. I, oh. Man. Yeah. You well, got to watch uh, You gotta watch the Meow Brothers. These guys never tap to any leg submission at all. They just let it break and keep grappling. Oh. <sighs> Yeah, see, that's scary to me. I'm gonna tell you now, Craig. When we roll, like, if you if you attack the legs and you think you have it, you have it. Okay, like you can just stop. <laughs> we can move on. Like I'm not playing that game. A, a lot of the jiu-jitsu guys are like that. Like not even just the Brazilians. Like remember back in the day, Henzo. Remember Henzo got his arm broken by Sakuraba. And was just like, I'm okay. Yeah. And the, re- the referee was like, no, you're not okay. And then when he broke it up, Henzo, <laughs> Henzo looked at his arm and was like, oh, man, this sucks. Yeah, dislocated the elbow. Oh. Yeah. And I think it was, I forget if Cobrinha tapped, but remember Hoffa Mendez armbarred Cobrinha. 
And it like that was bad, yeah. And Cobrinha was just like, you know, looking at it, like trying to get out. As most people are going to be like, oh shit, never mind. I don't want the whole, the whole broken or, arm or and whatnot. Jacare, Jacare completely snapped his arm against Hodge Gracie in the gi, and then he just tucked it into his belt and continued to grapple until time ran out. Yeah, some people he still can't straighten that arm. Some people just have that craziness. I think Vinny's Vinny's one of those guys. Like Eves, you haven't watched that match, right? No, I have not. Oh, like when I heard how it finished, I know I don't want to see it. I know I don't want to see that. <laughs> I went back and watched. It's pretty rough. I went back. I don't want to watch two girls one cup. I just don't want to see this. Yeah. I went back and watched it after we had Craig on because Craig said it was like a gunshot, and it was kind of like a tap on the mat at the same time. So you're like, oh, like right afterwards, so you're like, oh, was that the ankle? Was was that a tap on the mat? And it was probably the ankle. It's basically like a loud clap. Wait, you mean you heard it? I I heard it on the audio. Oh boy! And it sounds like a <laughs> it it sounds like a slap on the mat, but it's there's no. So that's what I'm saying. Like there's one moment where there's a slap on the mat and it's a loud clap, and then there's a moment where you hear the loud clap and then you watch it and you don't really see the slap on the mat. So you're like, that must have been his ankle you know like for the audio to pick that up was some craziness and then you see the pictures his knee was one way and his ankle like his heel was facing the ceiling like the way ankles don't bend and then even after the match Vinny was like oh I'm very flexible and he showed how flex on his other ankle mind you he showed how flexible he was because the other one he had the poker face on where he was just Nah, I'm good. I mean, yeah, you did a, a heel hook, but I'm I'm okay. You know? I'm flexible. And it was like, dude, that something happened there. Like, how are you standing? And he was standing. He was telling stories. He was like, but you could tell, hey, Craig, like, you saw, he was like leaning on the cage a little bit. Like, he was definitely masking some pain or from the adrenaline was completely numb to it. Yeah, no. I yeah for sure. Jump rope or something. And it was an entertaining match. Yeah. Like, that's something you've seen. Like, uh, we were talking about Gilbert. You know, that was one of Craig's, like, matches where I was like, oh, this is going to be a good one. And then he just le- leg-locked him real quick. Vinny was getting leg-locked, not tapping and like, staying in there and still kind of making it competitive. And then even you saw after the first one, you kind of saw his ankle floundering a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you're in closed guard or on top of someone open guard and the way like you have your toe on the mat and like your foot bent, he had he had one foot like that. And the other foot was just like laying sideways and flat. And you and you saw like, oh, something something's weird with that ankle right now. And then Craig said a funny line when he was on the show. He was like, oh, I was just going to keep I was going to after I leg locked that one, I was going to leg lock the other one. You know, if that one wasn't working. (laughs) I hate that you're putting this imagery in my head, man. Oh, it was a bit, it was, for me, it was similar to Anderson, a little bit, obviously Anderson's leg wrapped around, but it was like, dude, something's broken in there. And then, yeah, the next day he said it was the fibula. Crazy. My my knees are aching just thinking about this. Craig, what do you, what are your thoughts on you ever getting into MMA? Because you you get guys like you, like skill set, like you, really good jujitsu, especially with the ankle locks, you come to MMA and then... Like you said, MMA guys don't like that. So, like, nobody wants to fight you, you know? 
um, especially when you get to the level of, say, UFC, um, 45 or in the UFC. God, I can't remember his name. Ryan, oh, Ryan Hall. Yeah. yeah, Ryan Hall, right? I'm sure, like, if I was if I was still competing, I would probably be at 45 because 55 has just got too big. And um, I don't want to fight Ryan Hall just, just for the simple fact that, like, that's not a risk I'm willing to take. Because I fought a couple leg lock guys, and my entire camp was based around defending the leg lock. Not, like, I'm not, I'm not worried about you striking with me because I think I'm going to win that and I can take a shot. But like, I'm not playing with my legs. I got, I got to, I got to walk home. I got to walk out. I, I literally have to walk out of the cage. Like right away. I have to use that. Use what you're trying to take away from me. <laughs> so like, like what's your thoughts on, on getting into MMA? Cause like guys like you have some success, but you're also going to have a hard time getting some, some guys to fight you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's real interesting with Ryan Hall. Like, uh, He's very famous in jiu-jitsu. He's not super famous in MMA yet. So guys aren't really willing to take that risk when it's such, it is such a big risk. You know what I mean? And like knowing in my experience, uh, of all the heel hooks I've landed in competition, I would say not over 90% of them had a pop. Something was popping in that submission before they had some time to tap. Not usually catastrophic like Vinny, but there's definitely like the time to get damaged uh, is very, very soon, right? So like, yeah, so Ryan's in a real difficult spot. I've spoken to Ryan about it and stuff, and he he was encouraging to me doing MMA because he was saying like, he's like, man, he's like, I can do whatever I want. He's like, I just have to worry like sort of about, about the knockout, right? Because he's like, I can throw crazy kicks. No one wants to really take me down. No one wants to engage in that area. It's like, there's certain elements of the game I don't have to worry about defending against because no one wants to engage that area. So I think it's real creative and cool what he's been able to do in his transition to MMA. Yeah. That's a, it's a very different game plan going in there against somebody like that, somebody with that skill set, somebody who um, wants to get a hold of a leg, like you're in trouble. Like you have to be, you have to make all the right moves. And even if you make all the right moves, you may not get out of it. You have to make all the right, I, you and I, I would have to make all the right moves and you would have to make at least one mistake for me to have a chance to get out of that scenario. And that, like, I don't like those odds. I don't, I don't want to play that game. Yeah. Like, remember, yeah, he, he got BJ. Creative with the, oh, yeah, with the with the, uh, the Imanari role variation. Yeah. But Ryan innovated, innovated leg locks as well for MMA because a lot of people were scared to go for leg locks because they leave their face open to strike. But the way Ryan Hall engages the legs, he ends up almost attacking your leg from behind you. You're sort of out of range trying to run out while he's applying the heel hook. Like at no point did Ryan Hall's entry against BJ Penn leave him vulnerable to getting punched. I think that's a, a real interesting thing he, he developed. Yeah, that yeah. was like what I thought that would have been the fight that put him on like the MMA map a little bit, but I guess it just didn't catch on yet. But yeah, he's definitely ducked. He almost fought Menace once, Ryan Hall. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really? He so when Menace had that little that little run of losing split decisions, he was like, "Fuck it, I'm going up to 155." They called him up and were like, "You want to fight Ryan Hall?" He was like, "Yeah, tell Ryan Hall I'll fight him at 55. We what we both will cut less weight. It'll be two 45ers fighting at 55." So Ryan Hall came back with like, "Oh, you know, I don't, I don't cut that much weight." So and Dennis was like, "Listen, I'm a 45er. This will probably be my last fight. I want to fight at 55." Ryan Hall turned it down. Ryan Hall then went on, I think, Helwani or some show, and was like, oh, you know, Dennis Bermudez is afraid of me. 
He doesn't want to fight me. He he won't come down to 45. I told Dennis this. He was like, he really said that? Are you fucking with me? I was like, no, he really said that. He was like, mother. he hit up Parsons and was like, I want to fight Ryan Hall. Get me the fight with Ryan Hall. And then he was like, yo, Ryan Hall's booked. Who's he fighting? BJ Penn. What weight class? 155. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like Ryan Hall is getting Dennis Bermudez. Yeah, but then obviously, <laughs> if it's Dennis at 55 or, you know, old school BJ at 55, he was like, I'll go for the name. Yeah, I'll go for sure. old school BJ. I get it. I get it. I can dig that. I've, um, hey, speaking of, I, I've been, I've been heel hooked once, Craig, um, in 1999. This, I, I competed from 97 to 2014. I was heel hooked in 1999. That tells you how much I hate that submission. Like, um, and I have, <laughs> I don't know, probably like 80 something fights. You know what I mean? But like, that's a scenario that, I hit a I got hit by one in '99. I hit a guy with one in 2001, and that's like the end of the heel hook world for me. Um, I, and it was Nate Marquardt. Have you ever Have you ever grappled or trained with Nate Marquardt? I haven't actually. No, is he still training regularly these days? I'm pretty sure he is. I mean, he's a lifelong martial artist. Um, and he has a gym in Colorado, so I, I'm sure he is. He's been coaching guys like Neil Magny, those guys. So I'm sure he's still around the gym. I, I actually, I would, I would like to watch that. If you guys ever roll, if, if, compete, train, whatever, like send me the video. That that would be really fun. I actually really love training with MMA fighters, right? Because say against, I mean, it's different at Henzo's. We have a different style, but typically when I face jujitsu guys, they never try to stand up. There's no, I don't, I never have to actively hold a jujitsu guy down. But what I really love about uh, rolling with MMA fighters, if I can get on top. I have to have a system to hold them down because they're so good at getting up. So it's really a really fun way to train. Yeah, but see, that that also, I'm sure that leads to, well, I'm not sure, but I wonder if that leads to leg lock, leg lock opportunities for you because getting back to your feet, you don't necessarily, with a guy like you, you're not necessarily focused on protecting your legs if you're trying to escape the bottom. Like, are you, are you seeing openings to attack the legs against MMA fighters when they're working on their escapes? Sometimes. But sometimes MMA guys are so hard to get on top of that I'll, I'll just entirely focus on keeping them down. Where I use leg locks against MMA fighters usually is from bottom. And when they try to escape their leg lock, I try to use that as entries to, to take them down or sweep them because they'll leave sort of some vulnerability with the, uh, the threat of the heel hook. They sort of overreact. Yeah. Like Rumble Johnson that time. Yeah. Rumble Johnson had like the overrea- big, overreaction big to the heel hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even I, I think we touched on it a little bit last time we had you on. No MMA to answer Eve's questions. You, you have no plans for MMA, right? No. You know what? I'd probably be more interested in MMA if it was uh, longer rounds and no stand-ups and stuff. Because I really don't think MMA is a place for grapplers. You know, it's so it's hard enough for me. Like, say, I had the match against Wagner. I've got a huge weight advantage on Wagner. It's hard enough for me to submit Wagner in a five-minute period, let alone if I had to worry about strikes and taking him down, keeping him down. You know what I mean? I really feel like it's uh, MMA isn't the place for grapplers. Obviously, Ryan Hall's made it work. Some of the guys make it work, but it seems like a very hard path for a pure grappler. Yeah. What do you think of competing in a if, – if you were to do an MMA match, um, a place like Ryzen, and also they, they're, they're willing to, you know – 
manipulate rules and and score um not scoring but but times and rounds they're they're willing to make some compensations for you know to get a name like a a, a Craig Jones um in inside inside their ring oh for sure yeah I mean that'd be something fun like if they manipulated the rules and stuff like that because being a like an old school pride fan and stuff would be pretty cool to to be a part of something like that in Japan. Yeah, like uh, I know something different. Gordon Ryan's planning on MMA, or at least he's expressed that he's gonna get into MMA. And Gary Tonin's killing it right now. Yeah, yeah, Gary's crushing, and Gary's really—I uh, get to watch him train MMA most days at the moment. So he usually do the MMA training before we would do the grappling and stuff. So it's yeah, it's fascinating to watch how he trains, how he's developed his skills and stuff. And obviously, five and zero. I really hope one FC give him a title shot pretty soon. Yes, I just had this problem, not problem, but one championship is the new name. It's I keep calling it one FC. Ung oh, right. Yeah, I, I said it to Ung Song last night. He was like, one championship. Stop calling it one FC. I was like, all right, sorry. I'll stop, I'll stop. <laughs> he will fight you. Oh, yeah. He's crazy, Craig, when, too. Craig, when did you start training, training jiu-jitsu? I started, um, I barely, what was it? I'm 28 now. I started at 15, so 13 years ago. Okay. Okay. That's- but yeah, I started a real, real small team with like a coach that was uh, a white belt and stuff. Like, I feel like, uh, my path in jiu-jitsu really reflects, uh, early jiu-jitsu guys in America, but obviously they started much earlier, but we got access to it later. So I find myself relating to a lot of the older school guys in American jiu-jitsu because they started in similar circumstances. You know, they would be probably being taught by someone that didn't know a great deal, a lot of figuring out for themselves, watching the sport grow in their own country. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what it was like. You see, like, you, you just got, like, another stamp of approval from me. Yeah. Um, coming up the old school way. Because that's exactly <laughs> what it's like. Like, I, I, I learned my first submissions and the first parts of grappling back home in the Bahamas from somebody who would train um here in America in Dallas and um and then when I moved back to Texas I um I taught I showed some things to a couple of my friends and we would go out to the park in sweat in like sweatshirts and long sweatpants and just grapple in the grass because we didn't we didn't have a place to go. You know? Um that that's what it was like in the nineties. So I guess that's so know, cool. Two thousands in, in in Australia was like the nineties in America for Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, like I never, I never trained with a black belt until I was already a purple belt. It's like just no access, really. Yeah. Yeah. What, do you remember the name? Well, I'm sure you do. What was the place that you started, and what what city was that in? So that was in Adelaide, and it was actually my cousin uh, Matt Jones who was teaching at a gym called Isa Health. So he was uh, he was doing strength and conditioning, and he was training at a, a jiu-jitsu gym in Adelaide. That was a long way away from where his gym was. And uh, me at the time, I didn't really drive or anything. So I, he opened a gym in his area and he was only a full strap white belt, but it was really just about uh, giving access to people in another area and stuff. And that really was the bridge for me to get into it. I remember in the early days and stuff, me and my, me and my brother, we had these, those old school tap out camouflage MMA gloves and we just beat the shit out of each other <laughs> in those and try and learn grapple on those. I'm sure. I'm sure. If you have any videos of that, um, you can probably sell those. Or at, at the very least, post them. On, you should post some of those online. Oh, yeah, that that would be funny. Actually, we would just speed the shit out of each other. No, no real. Uh, not a lot of technique. 
Well, that's so, what I remember you saying initially. You started a little bit with MMA, right? Yeah, yeah, but it was uh, MMA was illegal for a fair. Well, I think it's 2009 or 2010. So it really wasn't a career path for MMA in Australia. I mean, there were some pioneers and stuff like Elvis Sinistic, but like on a local regional level, there was barely even jiu-jitsu competitions. Yeah. I'm sure, Eves, you experienced that too. When you, yeah. Yeah. You started yeah. in the black day, the, uh, the, what do they call that? The blackout days when UFC wasn't on pay-per-view. Was yeah, it wasn't anywhere. You want to you hear a trivia, answer to a trivia question? Um. I won't give you the answer. I'm gonna ask you guys a trivia question. After the, the 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 blackout for MMA on cable television, what was the first fight to be shown on cable television after it was back on cable and not exclusively on satellite? You guys take a guess. Take a guess. Oh, it was uh, was it UFC 30? Was that the first one back? Close, very close. Well, on pay per view, pay per view or cable television. Cable pay per view. Cable pay per view. I remember. Cable, All right. Cable television. Pay per view. I believe it was thirty, wasn't it? Or the thirty three. Thirty three. Yeah. All right. I was gonna say thirty. I thought you were talking about TV. I was gonna say thirty seven point five. Remember they I had was on that one also. I was gonna say Eve Edwards was on that one. I remember they had that little hybrid show and they had Belfort versus Liddell. Yeah, but my match with Matt Sarah was the first fight. Back on cable after the whole John McCain ban from cable television. Okay. That's oh, it. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Some MMA trivia. There you go. That one's for the kids. That's, that's very cool. That was like around the time was a BJ Penn started around that time fighting as it well. Just started. Right? He had one fight in the UFC, I believe, then. Which was, I think, UFC 30 or 31. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. His thir- first fight was in the UFC. Yeah, and that's even yeah, that's what I crazy. was thinking. Th- 30 was the start of the Zufa era. Yes, that's exactly right. Yes, that's but... when they took over, and then they brought us into Vegas for 33, and that was right after 9-11. Yeah, crazy. Vegas was dead. Vegas was crazy dead back then. Yeah, so Craig, how is your neighborhood right now as far as you have people outside? I had the police sirens before. Oh, I mean, those those come by. You know what, every... Every night around seven or something, uh, maybe maybe even later, they have the uh, the sirens blast and stuff to support the uh, first responders for uh, COVID. So they're still, I think I'm right by the hospital. So those guys, whenever the shift change over, they blast the sirens in the street. But I, I'm in Oboken, so it's pretty, I mean, pretty calm, pretty relaxed little place here. No, oh. there's not, no real craziness, you know. Oh, so you live in New Jersey, not Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I live in uh, Hoboken, which it's like across the I've bridge. stayed in all parts of yeah across the bridge. I've stayed in all parts of New York, but this was like the easiest place, easiest way for me to get to Henzo's. To be honest, like the shortest trip time, apart from living right in the heart of Manhattan. So now they put up the car, uh, the plywood. Did they break the window at Henzo's? No, no, they they were bringing a police barricade over to break it. And I think they caught them along the way or they saw it, but they were loading up to throw it. I think when they realized people were inside, they, uh, they ran away. But that, that whole entire area has been, um, been barricaded up. <clears throat> I was away while the protests were on. I think they still happened the last couple of nights or whether, when there were protests turned into looting. Um, but that area got hit. I think the Macy's around there got hit. So I think a lot of the businesses just in case it got worse, started barricading up. 
but it seems to have died down a lot going back to just the, the peaceful protest last night. Yeah, because that's what I was going to say. Hopefully they open up Henzo soon. They start opening the gyms, but right now the streets are flooded with pr- people protesting and whatnot. Yeah, they got like a curfew, I think, 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. I mean, it would it would have been bad timing if they got into the gym and trashed it and then the, the governor lifted the uh, quarantine order. Yeah. Would have just delayed it a little longer. Do they have a protest? I mean, a curfew where you are right now, Eves? Yeah, so I am in Maryland, but I'm right on the border of D.C. And um, there is a there is a curfew in D.C. proper, uh, not here in Maryland, but um, and I get alerts every day. They just started two days ago. Got one today, and it's from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. Oh, all right. So 9 p.m. curfew. I think that yeah, they have eight o'clock here right now. Yeah, which is crazy. I I'm it's just early, an right? adult. Real like, early. Yeah. Curfew. I'm an adult. You can't stop me. Dude. No, I'm sorry. Tonight it starts at 11. Yesterday was at 9 p.m. Tonight's curfew is from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. in D.C. Mayor Bowser has, has ordered a curfew for D.C. for Wednesday, June 3rd. Curfew starts at 11 p.m. until 6 a.m. Essential workers, including healthcare personnel and media, are exempt. Yeah, they made the curfew here 8 o'clock, and immediately people started sending around like a um, impe- impeach De Blasio. Petition to sign. Impe- <laughs> impeach the mayor of Manhattan at NYC. Have you spoken to anybody back home in Australia, uh, Craig, during during this quarantine situation? What's it, do you know what it's like back there? And is Adelaide the part of Australia that you're from? Yes, yeah, so I'm from Adelaide. And the restrictions are really, really tight in Australia. Like, they shut down their borders nationally, and they shut down the borders on a state level. And what's interesting is my home state, I think they've had one active case in the last four weeks, but they're to a certain extent still locked down. So it's really, Australia didn't get hit too bad as a whole. I think obviously lucky those guys being an island and uh, they could control the travel pretty quick and stuff to limit it. But yeah, it's still very locked down considering I guess some parts of the US are open back up with much, much more cases. Yeah. Well, you know, Americans are like, you can't you can't you can't keep America you can't make Americans do anything <laughs> like that's why they see it for Britain, true. you know yeah <laughs> very true yeah I saw and especially in Texas woo they woo. they opened right up Texas right Texas so my daughter my eldest daughter she's in Texas and um that's where when I came to America that's where I moved to and um Texas is just people are going to work and like they're they're they're, they're you know. There isn't a there's a quarantine, but it's kind of like if you want to be quarantined, you be quarantined. But if not, you go to work. You get like everybody's doing everything in Texas, man. Yeah, Texas. No don't, they don't play it's games in Texas. West. They don't play games. Yeah, that's that's funny, man. I just want a haircut. I've been out to have a haircut for three months now. It's that's why I'm wearing my do rag. I got a fro going on. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie, and I'm I'm kind of liking it. <laughs> Like when this is all over, you might see Eve. I'm uh, like Eve Edwards is gonna look like somebody's like like a black dad from the from the '80s sitcom, '70s sitcom. I'm so <laughs> that's gonna be me, man. I planned on growing my hair out, so the quarantine timing actually worked a little bit. You know, I don't got to get it cleaned up and whatnot. Menace has his girl cutting his hair at this point. So, <laughs> I'm scared to make that commitment. Uh she's she's a esthetician though, so she didn't do a bad job. Chael, 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 Chael,
Oh, way different. Yeah, yeah. Ch- Chael actually complimented his haircut when we had him on last week. But, okay. You know. But, Craig, well, we'll definitely be watching this next submission underground. We know you got to get going. You probably got some edibles to eat, some interviews to do. <laughs> that was another awesome, question. Guys. Wait, that was another question I had for you. Are you into the flour or just the edibles? Uh, a little a little bit of both, but I, I just find the edibles. Man, to be honest, I'm just training so hard right now that like I feel like the edibles just takes a bit of the pain away after training. I can get a good night's sleep, you know what I mean? But I, I don't like to go too hard because that shit will uh, give me a little bit of anxiety, you know what I mean? Yeah. I've got a question for you, Craig. Um, do you ever ever eat an edible or, or use some flour before you train? But you know, I used to. I used to back in the day. I'm pretty sure I was high for all of Purple Belt. But <laughs> I, I really, it, it, I felt like it was great when I was rolling. But I felt like I had very poor perception. Like I could go to training high. I could, for all intents and purposes, have a bad training session and get beaten up. But if I was high for some reason, I'd walk out of there thinking I just did the most technical rolling of my entire life. Like I couldn't put it in perspective. I had such a good time. I just uh, enjoyed it either way. Wow. I was. I always wonder about other people. I've, I've I've had the experience a couple of times, but I've noticed that when I'm going with guys my level or I'm better than, like I'm just flowing. But when I'm going with a guy, like one of my instructors or somebody with, with a lot more experience and skills than I have, um, I find myself, oh, what's he doing now? Oh, I'm going to try to defend this, but this is kind of cool. Let's see where this goes and if I can figure it out. But, like, I usually get caught because I'm watching rather than being in the moment, you know? And I didn't know yeah. if that was that yeah, was for, sure. for everybody. I think a lot of guys a lot of guys love uh, love getting high before jiu-jitsu for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I spent, like, 10 years never, never not high training. I, I like the tenth planner way. Tenth planner is awesome. Sometimes I do it when I kickbox. Yeah, well, that's weird. I used to smoke before sparring. Every I literally always like you said. What it's really good for for athletes is pain management. Yeah, joints, arthritis, shit like that. So getting the rest because we train in the evening and your bloods are you 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 know your bloods pumping and sometimes I used to have a hard time going to sleep at night. I would get up. Oh, yeah, for sure. I would get up and feel like a rusty gate and be like, oh, man, I got to go train. This ain't going to be fun. I'd smoke a little bit. I'd be like, I'm ready to go. I'm going to go fucking. I'm going to, cho- I'm going to choke, choke menace out right now. That would be the game plan. But, Craig, you're the man. We appreciate the time. We'll definitely have you on before the next submission underground. We'll make this a regular thing. We love the stories. We awesome, love having man. you. Craig, we got to get you on my show, Thug Jitsu Master and Squid. I'm going to hit you up about that, my friend. Yeah. For sure. For sure. That sounds great. I'm subbing in for Squid tonight, and he's subbing in for Menace. So we're doing two shows right now in one. So we'll get you back on both. Thug Jitsu Master and the man. Yep. (laughs) Very cool, guys. Guys, thanks for having me. I'll speak to you guys soon. All right. Stay safe out there. I like that guy, man. Yeah, he's a good dude. When we had him on last time, you know, you know when you have someone on and you don't know them personally, you're almost yeah. like you're oh you don't know them at all. You never did a live stream with them. You know them just the person that you see on TV. So we were like, "Oh, we don't know how this is going to be." And then we had him on, and even Chael said to us, he was like, "He's was he dull or did he talk a little bit?" We were like, "Nah, we opened him up." Like he was 
you know, cracking jokes, telling us street fight stories, all that type of shit. So it was good. Yeah, I like I I um at the quintet we were sitting next to each other and we had a chat and um <clears throat> we were just just a real cordial dude, man. I I like that cat. 